That's it. Okay. A lot of our American friends call me Eli and, you yeah. know, all kinds of different ways of pronouncing my full name, but Ellie is the best way for me. But. Ellie, okay. Just want to just wanna make sure. I was pretty sure from the Culver, you know, from Zula's yeah. I knew that, but I just wanted to make sure. So. It's, it's my mum's decision. Okay. She calls me Ellie and my wife also calls me Ellie, my soulmate. So Ellie's the Aww. way to go. Yeah, I mean that that is a yes, yeah, awesome. It's the most amazing story, you know, that's that's the key to everything. Okay, that's there we go. Okay, awesome. So I'm gonna start recording. Okay, we're good. Okay, so hi Ellie, I'm so excited to have you here today as I, I just did a little intro on you and I know I mean, oh my goodness, you do so many different types of work, so I cannot wait to find out Yeah, I mean, it's not normal, like, how divinely serendipity, all the different words that you could use, that we're meant to be sitting here together and talking tonight, of all nights, and I mean, that, for you guys it's in the morning, but that's one of the beauties that we've gone past time and distant in this whole connection, and I'm really happy to be here and join, join that myrony. it's a big, you know, blessing, thank you. So Jeff, is an ama- it's an amazing story with him because my family, thank God, you know, just a little background on myself, I grew up in the music business in London. They are involved in the biggest promotions of the biggest events in history, Live Aid, Live Earth, Live Aid, you know, so big stuff that I grew up with. And one of the key bands that my father was involved with in the merchandise and my uncle in the promotions was Led Zeppelin. So when there was a need to make a... Yeah, a Led Zeppelin reunion, which was around in the, you know, 2008-9. You know, they needed to bring back together the two main key players there, Robert Plant and, and uh, Jimmy Page, I think. So he needed someone to be that go-between and make that happen. And that was my uncle, Harvey Goldsmith. And my father, who did the merchandise and was involved, had the keys for getting those last tickets that were still sort of not really available but you through the right avenues you could get hold of them and Jeff knew my family from you know probably all his large networking world Jeff Palver as we know and he was in Israel at the time um, and my father said to me you've got to meet this guy Jeff he put on a big event like a few months before called um, Jerusalem Rocks with uh, Black Eyed Peas and there was a big a big deal what Jeff did with with a group of partners and my father had been reached out to by them to bring Leonard Cohen and some other great great acts to Israel so I was in Israel and I was doing what I was doing there already like on my own spiritual myrony journey you know like really very much focused on the soul and teaching and I was up all night people call me the midnight rabbi and I was working for a program which was basically kids, the teenagers at risk, and their studio had been destroyed, burnt down by the kids. So they needed a new recording studio. And there I was in this program, and I'm a music guy, you know, used to be in many rock bands and involved with like all kinds of events when growing up in London. And also when I came to Israel, I was doing a lot of events, but more small time stuff. And I realized that there's this opportunity because the organization that used to run the Battle of the Bands in Israel had packed it in for some reason. 
And I decided I'm going to be the guy to get all these teenagers instead of them on the streets, but get them to do a massive event and get them back in studios. So I need my own studio to get that moving. So it was sort of amazing, as you would say, Myrony, serendipity, divine providence. But my dad says to me, you've got to meet this Jeff guy and have a chat with him. So I phone him up and he says, um, you know, I'm in Tel Aviv, come to the Montefiore Hotel. And at that time, I was honestly like just to give a sort of like a background where I was holding personally, I'd gone through a lot of spiritual changes, like from growing up a more secular, traditional um, Jewish background of North London. And I got very awakened by my religion and spirituality to the point where I was very like disconnected in some way from the world. Even though I was teaching and I was involved with teenagers and I was still had that music inside of me and that vision, but I needed to not be online. I wasn't on the internet and I was like in a, in a very spiritual place. So to hang out in Tel Aviv in the Monteberry Hotel, it's a very nice place, but you know, just to say the women aren't exactly dressed, you know, like the normal way. And it's a different kind of environment that I was hanging out with in Jerusalem in the holiest place in the world, you know, in terms of how I viewed it then. And so I phoned up Jeff and I said, you know, I don't know if Tel Aviv's going to work out, but are you coming to Jerusalem in the next few days? And he says, yeah. So we meet by this big tower of David and he's standing there. First time I meet Jeff Palver, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he looks like very happy with his friends, his partners, people that I've got to know a bit more myself over the years. And he gives me like a big hug, you know, Jeff style. And I start talking with him and he says, look, Ellie, I wanna like, I know your father told me about your great work with teenagers at risk and being on the streets. And he mentioned something about music. And you, I said, yes, I told about this studio idea and I wanna do a concert. So he literally, at that time, you know, I'm not saying he's open to do that now, but at that time he was able to, he literally handed me his card I phoned up the place I was working for, handed over like a very generous donation, and it literally paid for the whole music studio. So everything was now, wow. yeah, everything. Like we're talking about like a studio that was burnt out, so the walls needed to be redone and we need to put, you know, make it sound efficient and, and all the different things, the computer back in the day was a PC and then the, the program and the, all the different stuff that we needed for the studio, the, the music equipment was all brand new. We were able to cover it all, and uh, thanks to Jeff. And not only that, later on he went and continued to help me to make a beautiful Unity concert in Jerusalem, where we had like around 20 bands performing in a big event and a thousand people attendance. And he was one of the people. I mean, I had other partners as well, but it was just amazing how that first meeting with him was of tremendous kindness. Obviously we hanged out, got to know each other. He got the tickets he wanted through my father to Led Zeppelin, and he'll talk about that you know, a few times on our Zula, he'll mention how amazing that show was, seeing said, you know, back again in, in the, you know, on stage in 2008-9, whenever it was exactly, I can't remember. But um, that was the, how we met, through music and through Unity concerts and, you know, making a big impact in the world that Jeff was at that time and, and also my family. And it was nice that I could then give it to the youth and help them at risk teenagers instead of being on the street and doing whatever they were doing. You know, like many of them told me stories about how it literally saved them from very bad situations because instead of doing whatever they would have done, they went and jammed and, and, and they formed a band and it focused them for those few years that I was running that kind of event in Israel. Um, I'm now obviously changed to a different projects, but you know, because the, the whole climate's changed in the last 10 years, but. It was a very amazing opportunity and that's how I met Jeff and we continued from then on. I was getting a bit more open again back to the real world and I started hanging out and meeting him in Tel Aviv. We met uh, many times at Mel, one of his friends, Mel Robbins, I think it's, no, Mel Robbins, Mel, uh, I forgot his name, but the, the book guy, our books guy. So he, we met up many times at uh, his events with, with Jeff's breakfast and also Jeff did a bunch of cocktail parties. And I came in the full getup and it was like, you know, a lot of Isra Israeli people aren't used to seeing more religious looking people at these kind of events. But I was there and I was totally engaged with the people and the, and the situation. A lot of my friends from London, from my you know life before came and hanged out with me there. And it, it ended up bringing me back much more into the world. And not only that, Jeff gave me a lot of encouragement with joining the online world. Like he helped me get more functional on Twitter and Facebook and 
he gave a lot of support and a lot of good contacts and he really helped me establish myself online whereas I hadn't really had much to do with it for about 10 years I was like I was online when there was email and things were simple but those 10 years of Facebook and YouTube when it first started I and then Instagram for sure I wasn't on any of those things it was only the last 10 years thanks to that whole relationship that I started building my online um, presence and reconnecting with everything before and building new networks from all the students and going ahead now with like the larger projects I'm trying to do so yeah wow okay so that is a much bigger myrony than I expected <laughs> <laughs> I mean you just got a picture the guy literally handed me his card and said you know go go do what you need to do and like that was the relationship with Jeff for all those few years like at that beginning stage and always when even till the last time I saw him in Tel Aviv which was 2019 obviously before corona kicked in and we met up at uh, one of these breakfasts on the rooftop and it was just really positive a lot of love you know every, everyone's gone through their journey as Jeff has as well and he wasn't like in the same place as I first originally met him so it wasn't now about and I wasn't looking for donations or investments or anything like that it was more of coming together as friends and communicating as you know a, a continuation of our relationship and when he started this Zula, that was like life-changing, especially during this Corona challenge. And that's where I met you and all our other friends. And, I know. and it's been a really amazing support wow. system this whole year. Like it's literally has empowered me to do so much positive projects, which I'm happy to talk about later on, you know? We definitely are gonna talk about that. We're gonna, you know, talk, we're, we're, we're definitely gonna dive in on a whole bunch of things. I mean, but I can't get over because, you know, the, the idea of this Yeah, I mean, that, that studio is still, some of the equipment still being used by musicians to, who don't have much, you know, income. They're using it to teach drums or... It's still a, the, the overflow of that initial meeting and that kindness is continued till now. There's still guys who I talk to who remember those events and how impactful they were in their, their life then. And uh, it inspired a lot of what I'm doing now in terms of this concept of unity because it gave me ability to manifest it here in in my life in Jerusalem, you know? So that was big. Yeah, so let's go back to, I mean, you're, when you were a kid, you said you grew up in London. You, uh, I mean, what you just explained of your connection in your, the, the musical connection in your family and, you know, being a part of that world. How long were you in London for? So I grew up and I was born 1980 and I was there during the 80s, 90s, those 20 years. I did come to Israel at the end of 1999, but really those, I would say, was a solid, you know, 18, 19, 20 years that I was there as a child growing up. And being a teenager with access to the music world, you know, was just out this world. I mean, wrestling as well, because I was, my family were the main promoters of WWF back in the day with Hulk Hogan and that whole scene and British Bulldog and you know, Ric Flair and Bret Hart. And I used to do modeling as uh, for my family's merchandise for the WWF. And I, I was used to dress up in the, you know, what was his name? Uh, the Heartbreak Kid, you know, Shawn Michaels. You know, <laughs> had all this leather on me. And thank God I had, I looked a little bit more, you know, like uh, how I did in that, in that time, you know, a bit more model style than I do now. But um, thank God, you know, it was, it was an amazing, experience growing up in the more celebrity music world backstage experience and it obviously gave me a lot of friends um and oh, yeah. but I, I they weren't like there were one or two people who seemed to use me in those days but even those people like you're saying that's myrony i went back to london like not so long ago like a few actually my last visit and my wife and i were stuck to get somewhere and that guy who back in the day used me for tickets, because it was an obvious thing, like I, 
there were some situations that happened as a teenager that it was obvious he was using me at that time. I'd reconnected to him like a few different times, but on Facebook. And I said to him, Let's, you know, are you available now? Because he wanted to meet me when I came to England. I, for some reason, he'd been in Israel. He just felt he needed to stay in touch with me. And he knew maybe about my family a little bit as well. Anyway, he then picked us up, took us all where we needed to go, drove us around, caught up. He asked me, he said, look, I'm really looking for a job. He ended up with a job. And he's been at that job this whole Corona time. He's been the main guy. Because the person who ran my family's warehouse got Corona and couldn't come back. And he's literally become like the guy running all their stuff. And it's like, just from that, I could have said, oh, this guy used me. But, you know, the truth was, it was a one-time, you know, thing. And maybe I would have done the same at that age as well. And to hold a grudge and to push him away, instead of now we've got a friendship, you know, that's even better than it was when we were kids, you know? So. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, that's just one of a million stories, you know? Yeah. Right, sure. I mean, that was actually when, you know, we got to know each other a little bit more in Missoula. I was like, oh my goodness, I need to ask to be on podcast because I know you would have some good stories. You Thank know, you. like, it really, and, and, and it's, it's those, it's that whole thing when, you know, doors open, we have to walk through. And, you know, the fact that you were able to just let go of whatever that was and been like, you know, we're young or whatever, you know. Yeah, definitely. You got to keep a smile. And, you know, I would say also what I've noticed with your podcast is you've got some really inspirational people coming on. Like, I really enjoyed listening to the last bunch of series and our episodes. And I recommend people listening to those past episodes. But, like, one of the things that I would say is important of what you're doing and Jeff represented, he also said to me, never burn your bridges. He once said that to me. And I've seen that in business. Like, it's not worth burning your bridges. And, it comes from spiritual ideas as well that I'm aware of, that I've learned, you know, in mystical texts. These and this, you have to be a more godly, divine person. And I try when I communicate to people to be as down to earth now and as more universal as possible, and not to like burden people with my spiritual understandings because I do really unearth, you know, that's the Jewish way of saying, you know, without the evil eye. But I do have a lot of. Um, knowledge in my opinion not in an arrogant way just it just like god bless me in a way that i can absorb a lot of material and like i internalize a lot of podcasts nowadays but back in the day it was sitting in a very spiritual setting and learning and learning the ways of god and the ways of you know spirituality and it was a, a lot of like kabbalistic mystical deep internal work over many years but i tried to keep that very much um, internal and it's something which it has to come out in a way that's relatable and real and that's why what you said about stories is the key because stories everyone can understand it's, that's the universal language and everyone can be inspired by stories and if I start using terminologies of like mystical terminologies you know only the only people who are familiar with that will understand or I have to constantly explain myself so I, that's one of the things that, thank God, growing up in the entertainment world and having access to the music world and the promotional world and the merchandise world and the marketing world, it gave me an insight to communication. And I'm seeing now that I'm 40 now, I'm 41 actually, just last, you know, a week ago or so, that I have the opportunity to communicate more and more as time's going on to the larger public. And now it's my goal to make sure that communication is clear. Now, you, as you're doing a podcast, so am I, and I want more and more opportunities to put that down in reality. And that Jeff is definitely uh, one of the role models, and I, I put him as such, you know, on Facebook. I don't know if you remember back in the day, you could choose different, like, relationships you have with people, and you could describe... Oh, yeah. So he was one of the people I called a role model, you know, on Facebook. You know, like, I define oh. him. I don't know if it's so relevant anymore. I don't know if these things, these kind of, like... A lot of things on social media, you have to go with the 
changes. It doesn't seem so significant now that I gave him that status. I don't think anything, it made any difference on the Facebook algorithms. Or I, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> the point is that, that, that having connection to a lot of different kinds of people and going in that journey has really helped. And that's why I'm really happy that you asked me to come. Because you are, you know, someone I haven't met before, like this last year. And you, you've really also gone on your journey. I listen to your stories and it's amazing. You know, this process of, of self-discovery and, you know, I'm sure it's not easy because I know myself, even when you've got clarity, it doesn't mean everything's easy, you know? It doesn't mean that... Yeah. Even if things that you're seeing, the myrony, you're seeing the, 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 the consistency, excuse me, if the word is right, serendipity, or you're seeing the flow, you're, you're in that... But you still might not have the emotional readiness for it, or you might not have the intellectual capability to explain it, or, or even you know you're going to be in all kinds of situations. Going to be a struggle. Like sometimes it's not what you were planning. You know, we weren't planning this year to be this way. But at the same time, like once we get that humility of life and we understand that we're not in control. So then this year that brings us onto Zoom and onto all these Zoolas and all these opportunities to meet each other, these, these online communities, then we see that there's a new flow, even if it's not in person, but it still has dynamics that are really empowering and amazing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, so, it, that's that's the one of the biggest keys of of everything that of life is to not put a limitation on your relationship with this higher power, however people define it. Huh? And a famous saying of a, of a very well known rabbi that I sort of work for not him because he's no longer alive, but his legacy and his movement is still alive, and in fact, it's growing even now, even though he's not alive. That's how powerful his message was one of the famous sayings he said is to not is, is he used to tell people I also wouldn't believe in the God that you believe in he always used to say that to all kinds of atheistic you know and and not agnostic people who used to encounter and play chess with and have deliberations with he'd say I also wouldn't believe in that kind of God the God that you have defined as God I would want not want to have nothing to do with you know so that that's a very important clarification that that you have to really allow yourself to let go a little bit and experience this higher power that's there to only help you and only help humanity and help us have more meaning and definition and purpose and empowerment and all the good things that people talk about nowadays and all the thought leaders and all the you know high level conscious way of talking that's on 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 the web and you know is currently growing all the time but if you let yourself available to be a vessel for this spiritual light that's constantly manifesting in everyday life, then you can have a whole different level. And that's one of the, the things I think that would resolve a lot of the diverse, uh, sorry, diversity, not the diversity in a negative way, but the divisiveness. 
Diversity is actually an amazing yes. thing. The divisiveness that's being yes. created right now by the media and the politics is really like the opposite of what that divine flow can be and bring us together. And it's almost like there's forces wanting us to not be aware of this divine flow. And, and also even more important in my opinion is to not realize how amazing we all are as humanity, that we're souls, that we have a divine essence to ourselves that gives us that ability to have a connection to the divine and make sense of this all. And that soul level is what I'm focusing on very much right now because I feel like that is a solution to most of today's issues. I could almost say every issue. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I'm not... We can always do a part two, no problem. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. I've realized I'm writing a book now. Like I've written the book and I'm taking it to a publisher. And I said to the publisher, this book literally is just a mission statement. It's not even like the beginning. It's just literally just the first line. Excuse me if you say the word literally, but it, you know, it's, a, it's a book of literature. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's the beginning of the process of of my mission statement to have this book out there, please God, and I'm sure with your book as well. And the, the key is to the way I approached it to the publisher, I'm not saying you should do this, but I would say this to people to have that open mind uh, approach of this might be just the beginning of a series. That same with the podcast, yeah. like, like we don't have to do also, like you said, not to limit God, not to limit ourselves and allow ourselves to go with the flow and and allow ourselves to begin projects and allow the flow to take over that we can achieve much more than we even imagine with the project, with the book, with the podcast, with the relationship. You know, I don't want to limit my relationships with people. Even my, you mentioned about the soulmate before, like often we can get into habits and in, in there's good habits. I'm a very big fan of, of Stephen Covey's seven habits and eight habits. And I even wrote my own 10 habit version. And I have it in my head in my course. And it's one of my ways of thinking that's very helpful. But at the same time, there's a lot of habitual ways of being in relationships, which limit your ability. And that's one of the things I've learned in business. So also, you know, like throughout a week after week, there's all the time stumbling blocks. People aren't doing what supposedly they're supposed to do in your business. You know, I'm, I'm a director of a program and there's people in the team who are not really functioning how I want or people leave, people come. It, and I'm not responsible for those kind of decisions, but in terms of getting the content out to the world and putting on the events and the, the right now it's online events and online um classes which thank god like one of our weekly classes get a minimal of 30,000 viewers so that's you know we're impacting people it's making a difference and i have to deal with all the impact in terms of the feedback and the questions and on the mc it's a lot of work for me but i could get like very you know upset with people when they're not doing their part like in the studio or the video editing or the website posting or the youtube posting all the different aspects that are not working out exactly at the highest level that i'd want and or, or even anyone our viewers would want sometimes we get feedback why is this not happening why not happening and then we have the opportunity how do i process this situation again just like i mentioned with my friend back in the day rather than turning it into a negative thing like i'm going to be patient i'm going to be encouraging like these are godly attributes that i'm going to bring into my business work experience that the, we you know people would call it just being a good a good person, you know, whatever, however you want to define it. But the bottom line is it, it, it creates good relationship experiences. 
And the same with like the Zula space. Sometimes, you know, I, I come on there and in the meetings that we have the private rooms, I don't even get to speak. And you know what? Like today, when there was one meeting, they didn't even mention me. They didn't even notice me. Like they just were speaking and speaking. And you know what? I just felt like I was an active listener, but by just being there, and I've noticed sometimes just being present and being involved, I have an effect without even having to say something and allowing things, not trying to force stuff, not trying to, you know, change um, in a, an aggressive way or a hustling way situations, allowing things to take part. You know, another business I'm involved in, I book artists, you know, music artists. Uh, it's called Unity Bookings. It's part of my overall Unity Inspires projects. So I'm booking artists and, you know, there's still stuff that's going on to do with past cancellations. Still going on. Since, you know, the Corona Challenge started in March, there's still stuff that needs to be taken care of that wasn't paid back or whatever. And I could get, like, all involved and I could prove my point that I was right there and I have photos of every single WhatsApp conversation at that point that I could send to the people and say, you look, see that other guy? He wasn't exactly this and I was right. I could prove my point, but I'm not going to do it unless it's legally I need to, like there's some sort of legal reason for it. I'm not going to start pushing back on people because my bigger mission is souls and, and creating a unity experience. We're, we're together. I'm not, we're a team. I'm not here to prove myself better than you. And I've noticed over the years that constantly being loyal to people and always trying to just do the right thing in these kind of situations. In the long term, all my relationships have continued in business. And thank God I, I, oh, I can feel like a piece of myself when I go to sleep or something that I haven't burnt anyone. I haven't intentionally hurt anyone. And if there's anything that's seen that way, I've apologized. And, you know, I, we have like a festival in Israel that just was called Purim, which works out my birthday. And one of the things you do is you give presents to people. I went to the people about uh, 12 years ago, or more, maybe 14 years ago. I went to the people that literally threw me out of this institute for no good reason. Yeah? I didn't do anything wrong. I actually ended up leaving myself more than they threw me out. But they're pretty much making it very difficult for me. I went to those people and gave them all gifts on that festival. I went out my way to their houses, even though I could have been very upset with them and bitter with them and... You know, and only years later did they finally realize how wrong they were and came and asked my forgiveness. But I've already, I'd already settled it years before. Like, you know, and this is the kind of thing with life, you get these opportunities and relationships. And one of the blessings I had that, with, to get back to the soulmate thing, is I had my soulmate throughout this whole journey. Like, I always had someone in my life who I could partner with and everything I was doing, and she knows all my stories. She remembers me when I used to run nightclubs in London. And I, I, I ran a night, yeah, I ran a nightclub called Pimps and Whores. Excuse my language, but that was the name. You know, I was a bit of a player back in London. So, and she was there at my night. She was at my, you know, event. You know, obviously I gave her. We weren't like going out, but there was a soul connection even then that I'd noticed. And even though I wasn't so soulfully attuned, but I just knew there was something very special about her. And I obviously got her into the party for free. I, she was one of the few VIPs I gave. And we ended up, our original time we met was in the gym, but we ended up becoming best friends from that gym meeting. And, you know, like, it's just amazing. I was 16 years old when I, when I first spoke to her. The first time we actually met each other when I was 14. Wow. 14. Yeah. And it was on a very special day in our calendar. It's called Yom Kippur. It's like a, the holiest day of the year. It's the one day you can't get Jeff on the internet. He takes the whole day off. Jeff Pulver is not on the internet for that one day. That's how holy that day is. Jeff Pulver is non-contactable on Yom Kippur. So I was that at 14 years old going around the different places of worship. As, we, as I was a teenager, I wasn't really interested in worshipping. I was interested in socialising. Yeah? So there is this pretty girl and I was introduced and we smiled. She apparently fell in love with me that first time she saw me. And that was how it always was. She always wanted to be my you know soulmate she from that 14 year old meeting and 16 year old when we first spoke to each other and we just came closer and closer and we got married when we were 21 so you know it's been 19 wow. years yeah i didn't have to go that on is so beautiful. yeah thank, i didn't have to go on dates like a lot of my friends like 
you know, I, I'd had relationships before her, but it was all like in a, in a different context. When I came to Israel for three years, we were both here and growing spiritually. And I just knew deep down that she was the one and I didn't need to go on any dates or any headaches. It was just clear, Byrony, serendipity, this is my soulmate. Yeah. I just want to say, I, I want to say two more things that I think you'll appreciate, and then I'm happy to get into Unity Inspired Project. Just with the soulmate aspect, um, you mentioned that you believe many people have many soulmates. So I want to just tell you, interestingly, it's good to know that we have a text called the Talmud. It's an ancient text, and it says there that every person has at least seven soulmates. That's what it says in the ancient text. So. Obviously, the ideal is to have the soulmate, like the one who's destined for you. And but if those, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out because you know these spiritual realms are complicated, and you end up in a in a different relationship with someone else because you didn't live up to your potential that was needed to be with that person, and therefore you were given another soulmate. But that's still your soulmate. That's the point. So when people go through many marriages or many relationships, it doesn't mean you you've lost your soulmate. It doesn't mean that. And the real, the real key is, and this is what we'll end off on this point, uh, and, and we'll get to unity projects, is that if a person's in touch with themselves, like really, like you, like you, you really know you, and and you're really being real with yourself and facing your life issues and practicing. It's my belief, totally, you will be attracting your soulmate by doing that. It, 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 yes, I agree. And that's the same with you know your mission and it's all very connected you know where you live and everything that that makes a person's life it's a lot like you said before the responsibility of a person to really deal with their their baggage you know i could say in ruder words but the point is to deal with their stuff and to really face you know and once you get that soulmate what happens is it sort of 10x's that experience you know like or beyond even like you on a daily level now on a personal level in your own space constantly having to deal with real stuff and you can't just escape the key is that, that you don't what well, you should realize that that is the biggest gift like a, a, one of my friends said you don't want a trophy wife you want a wife that helps you get trophies you don't want a husband who's gonna like you know give you everything you want a husband's gonna and they it's gonna empower you to be you know, whatever the soulmate is, is going to build you. That's the point. And that is, it's a different way of thinking of rather than trying to avoid the struggle, embrace the struggle, enjoy it, enjoy the, the, the challenges, enjoy this challenge we've had this last year as hard as it is and tragic as it is. 
And that brings me now to my Unity project. So I was sitting working for corporate and I was not enjoying the experience working for corporate America. Not that, you know, all corporate America has to be this way, but the way it was being run in that specific company was, it just felt very suffocating, very not like positive, empowering. It was a lot of people were taking good ideas that I had, higher management, using them in their name. And then like, you know, those kind of experiences. And I was sitting in this little office doing this work for this company and I was like, I know I'm meant for something more. Like this can't be my purpose to do this sort of like, you know, uh, painful job experience. And on the side, I was like working on this blog called Unity Inspires Projects. I already did a concert called Unity uh, of the Bands and I'd already made Unity events in Jerusalem for musicians, but I hadn't really scaled it. Because I've just, you know, I've been busy working and I hadn't taken it to that next step. So I started doing blogs and that forced me to start to think about it more and more. And I think unity in education, unity in fashion, which funny enough right now, one of my friends just sent me their book, um, which is very much connected to unity in fashion. They even uh, attribute me to something there and give a quote. And they're very much relating to that energy of creating that unity in fashion, unity in education, unity in marriage, unity in everything. I like have my Unity Flow podcast now. I started slowly, slowly scaling it. And there were artists who wanted me to manage them and to book for them and, and speakers and started to the point where I didn't need to work for this corporate company. But first, the irony was I needed some way to get out of this corporate company. So one of the things was I was moving from out of Jerusalem back to Jerusalem and there was a company in Jerusalem wanted me to manage their customer service department. So I managed them and I was able to then say bye-bye to the corporate. So it was a way out. And then over the road from the, the company I was managing was a recording studio. So now all the musicians would start to see me day to day come in the store because we were doing phones, electronics, and they came in and the main guy who I ended up working with, Nissan Black, came in, a hip hop artist, came in and said, Ellie, I want you to be my manager. Can you do both? I don't want to take you away from your current job because it's not scaled enough for my business, but I want you to be my manager. I said, yeah, I'll try to do both. And I did manage it for about six months and managed to manage this company and manage an artist. But it got way too much because we were spending like, like in one week, we were three times over the Atlantic, you know, in, on the planes and... You know, like, oh, wow. yeah, like that, that amount of events were going on. We did an event in Times Square that same week. Like it was massive stuff was developing and I couldn't hold on to a, a position and manage an artist. So I chose the artist. And then after a few months of that, I realized this is just too much. So I chose to just be a booking agent and I can focus on the unity aspect. What would that mean? Instead of just building this artist, which is what managing an artist is about, I could build my own agency and product and build my own personal brand, which the coronavirus has challenged this year has only sped up that focus, as I'm sure you can relate, because you have much more time to reflect and much more time to plan your own, you know, development instead of just all the other people I was busy helping develop through bookings and, and other projects. And one of the things I've realized that in order to really help other people truly, I'm going to have to first get myself more unified, more uni united, like more together. And that meant like my marriage had to become more important. My children had to become more important. My family life, my health, my lifestyle had to be more enhanced. And I had to develop more real relationships with people like yourself and not just, you know, these one off whatever, like, you know, just making a booking and doing a gig. Like it had to be like real relationships, same with my clients and same with all the people I talk to online. That if they send me something, I have to respond in an authentic, real way and, you know, treat people how I'd want to be treated and all this kind of stuff. I really worked hard on it to the point where the concept of Unity Inspires Projects is now manifesting in real time. It's not just the theory, like I'm trying to live this now and I think that's a big point to a lot of people in business and podcasting or whatever they're doing. It's not enough to talk the talk, the talk. you've got to walk it, you've got to live it and make it into your daily plan. Like, how are you going to manifest this? So one of the ways was to write a book every day. And that was thanks again to our 
Zula meetings and now writing a book, like I said before, became my mission statement of Lao. What am I going to do? But like I said, the goal is to have a series and be once I've got myself clear, then I can be collaborative to other people. That's the idea that the more your mission, like I see with my, that's my really, you've got your mission clear. Now you can clear in a clear way, in a simple way, include other people into that. And it's not too much. And that's something which is, you know, I'm watching you and learning from that. And the more and more in our network, the more the people we're meeting who are doing it on a, they've already done it in their way, like their brand, their project. You can start to understand, like, for example, when you look in the podcasting world, and I think that's a very important way of communicating now. Joe Rogan, for example, that authentic conversation that he's having with people just and for hours, the long form of just chilled conversation, not too much pressure and not too much marketing and and higher ups getting involved and Hollywood getting involved, just a very real conversation. No like agendas, just very authentic. And that kind of media is very attractive to me. And I think one of the reasons it is, and I would say again for many other podcasters like Tim Ferriss, um, Tom Bilyeu, Lewis Howes, all these kind of guys out there, um, you know, there's, there's a few lady ones I listen to, I'm just trying to remember, and um, their names, for some reason it's gone out of my head, but there's the, you know, if not now, then when, that podcast, and there's a bunch of, you know, Oprah, of course, is always someone I've, I've listened to over the years, but the point is that with all these people out there, what I've understood is that there's an awakening of consciousness that people want to communicate and connect. Because they and one of the ways is yeah. through this podcast format. Why would they sit and listen to us? Because we're having a conversation, and I want you to come back to me in what I'm saying. I want to just keep talking, talking. Because the conversation aspect, <laughs> no, it makes it real. Like it, it brings it like like. No, absolutely. Yeah. It, it really. We never see the thing is, is I never actually know what we're ever gonna really talk about. I love that. I truly love that. I try to keep it as organic as possible and let it happen the way it's meant to happen. And, you know, I feel like, I, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. You're just a messenger here in this time to be showing something in a different light. And we're both trying to show God and higher spirituality in a different light than maybe what we've been accustomed to. You know, like, it's, it's, um, I, and that's actually when I, even though my last name is pronounced Myronic and people have these Myronic experiences, I can call the humor to that of God. How I happen to be born with that name, you know, but I don't look at it as my word. I look at it as everybody's word because it's my irony, but we take out the I because it's not about I, it's about we and it's about something so much greater. And my vision is to see people share their ironies in addition to their selfies on social media and be able to connect on that level because and that's actually why this podcast is the way that it is it's to show these level of connections like how did that happen so like to hear how you connected to jeff which is how we connected is so incredible because you know i only know him virtually but i do feel like he's a true friend because i've had those conversations and, you know, and it, it's like, I know our conversations are going to continue because what you're, what, what you are truly creating and with you be inspired, like, it is all about inspiring and thinking, you know, how can we start having everybody be raised to this higher level of consciousness? Yeah. And when we can start looking at it more as this, you know, we're having this spiritual experience in, in a human existence. Sure. And, That's it. It's real life. It's real. It's real content. It's real connection. And that realness is what people are thirsty for. Like the fake media or whatever they call I don't like using these terminologies, but the way 
the world has yeah. gone in, in, in terms of the mainstream stuff is very not real and therefore people are, are sort of distancing from that and wanting real content like I follow a bunch of different podcast shows in England and like they're not not my culture like we're talking about you know like one of the shows I follow a guy called Chucky Online it's it's you know I'm gonna just say it what it is it's black culture yeah and it's very cool all hip-hop house dance kind of famous boxers and like that kind of culture from from London and I was part of that a little bit growing up because I didn't grow up in the Jewish world I grew up in more like a mix of everybody thank God I had a very unified upbringing and I went to school with all kinds of different religions and cultures and and you know a lot of refugees from Somalia came up when I was at school so I met Somalians and I met Brazilians and I met in my school there was so much because I went to a public school I wasn't in the private system even though my parents could have, could have afforded it but for some reason my parents wanted me to have a different experience in life and I appreciate that and it's given me ability to connect to all kinds of people and the rabbi I work for he's all about connecting to every kind of people not just the Jewish people and he's he's a visionary in the Jewish world of trying to get the Jewish people to think in a bigger way that we have a message not just to to our own people and to heal from all our struggles we've gone through the Holocaust, gone through this, gone through that, Israel and all the struggles that the state goes through. We have a bigger vision of connecting to the world with light and spiritual energy and right. positive messages of how to live a more happy, fulfilled life, that kind of message. So I'm very happy to work for a rabbi like that and I'm very happy to help him and his studio classes and bring all kinds of musicians and guests. We've had all different cultures and minorities there. And it's really amazing to manifest this in a weekly level in my studio in Jerusalem, but also to manifest it um, through music. I have two collaboration albums um, and one collaboration EP out of all different artists, you know, men, women, all different styles of music. And I'd like to do more. This is just the beginning of a hope to have another one out in the summer again. And thank God people are reaching out to me with their music and their tracks. And some of them are artists who are just beginning and some of them are established artists. And I think it's good to bridge them all and give everyone equal opportunity in music. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, how to bring it out more, I think the only way I can, once I put out my book, please God, to go to the next level will be with what you're doing today, which is basically to collaborate. Because I can't, there's only so much, I have what I want to say, but I look a certain way, I'm living in Jerusalem, people are going to like, oh, he's in a box, he's in Israel, he's part of that thing. And one of the things I enjoyed hanging out with Jeff was I always try to break those definitions. Wait a minute, this guy like isn't in that box. And wait a minute, he grew up there and he was with Led Zeppelin or, you know, with uh, Lenny Kravitz and, you know, you know, whatever musician you're into, music style, he was with those people and, you know, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney and that was my upbringing and David Bowie and like, you know, the Queen and, you know, all the different things I experienced. And I don't mean the royalty because I also met the Queen as well, but like, I'm not talking about like all the different levels. I, I remember the first, one of the funniest parties I went to was Prince William's birthday party. Yeah. And I met a very, wow. yeah, I met a very nice blonde girl there who fell for me. And uh, I wrote a song called Emily. And I changed, my wife doesn't like it when I pick this story up. But then I, I changed the song to Family. And I actually, it's out there, the song Family. I put it out on SoundCloud and Aww. it's now on Spotify. I've recently released my, my only album that I ever did. It's a bit old school, but I put it out on Spotify. And there's a song called Family, but it was originally Emily. You know, not many people know that. But it was thanks to my interesting upbringing. And that's where we start to see a very larger picture of Myrony or Divine Providence or Serendipity, where everything starts to come together. We start to see yes. how every single experience you had as a kid now or every single person you were blessed to know growing up with has a, a significance even now. Like, and I, make, I try to make a big effort to reach out to those people practically even now. Like uh, Emily, I haven't heard from in years. If she's out there, you know, send regards. But I mean, like, other than that, like those experiences, like one of my best friends was with me that night and we're still friends, you know. Well, we were just recently zooming, zoom chat each other and had a great catch up. And, uh, you know, he was there with me in those days. And 
we're still you know best friends now and i think it's really important that you maintain your relationships and you see how those experiences are formational and it's all that's on an individual level but on a larger level communal level the ability to take it to the next level i didn't have your experiences so i can't impact your sphere of influence like you can and i can't impact someone else's sphere of influence. so the only way we're really going to unify is is to learn how to communicate on a soul level and to really get connected more and that that's like a project i think we all need to engage in and we need to use the social media tools to enhance that not to god forbid like they're saying in the social dilemma documentary make it worse you know like the algorithms are against us we need to actually do something about that in a, a proactive way you know there's all this activism now cancel cancel culture all this stuff going on we need to be much more proactive in how we're going to connect how is the left and the right going to communicate how is this and that what is the wavelength where they can communicate and that's where i think if people would realize that they have a soul then it, uh, and that soul is is so vital to their existence and to their life and their relationships that they can then start to learn the communication of soul and that would be something which i need help in i can't do that alone because i'm only one soul it's yes. it's going to take a collective yeah, i agree i agree it's all about collaboration when we when we want to funny how you you know you keep bringing up box because that's what I keep saying that I'm trying to do is break God out of this box you know and and be, and if, if people aren't okay with saying God that's okay too it's wherever people are really at you know it's like if if you if you're comfortable saying universe because of religion you weren't able you know I was one of those people but I was shown something totally different and that's another whole conversation of why I'm you know I'm a I'm a huge advocate of trying to show God in this different light and you know and and the myronies are the uh, um, we can connect the dots but I love to say there are spiritual breadcrumbs and sometimes sure. it's literally the smallest crumb that will have the biggest impact and will literally create the miracles in our lives and in others sure. and if we can all start connecting on that greater level so I just I just love what you're doing I know I definitely want to have you back on Thank you. For more conversation about this yeah. because I think I think you and I are very similar in a lot of ways of where we're just trying to really bring a different awareness and I you know I that's why I say discover myrony in your inner superpower you sure. know like I call it my spiritual spidey sense because I do everything based on intuition in the sense of like something happens and I'm like oh okay what's that next door going to open you know but it, it when we can really live from that place of our of our soul and our higher selves and also this divine this this beautiful and I love as you say divine providence because that is I truly believe that's yeah. us having this conversation today so I appreciate so, it I mean like one of the things one of the things I'd want to discuss at another time would be like the recovery world and you know there's so much you can learn from that world and how they have to seek that higher power to overcome their addictions and like now with technology how do we deal with this and there's so many different you know platforms of discussion that we could do that could help people if we're just given that time and opportunity to get that information out Absolutely. there I mean that's just Absolutely. one idea no. yeah I mean I have a whole plan no, an I... online recovery center you know but like we opportunity for people to communicate more in private ways and I have a lot of visions that I'd love to put into reality it just needs um very realistic uh, scalable executionable opportunities how to do it so that's why I'm very much right about with process and taking my time and as much as I have a lot to do I'm not going to rush it and that's why I appreciate you us giving us the time to talk this we already did so much I mean it's almost an hour and that's amazing you know so thank you i know it has been it has been amazing and you know with what you're talking about with the recovery i mean i had to deal with prescription drug addiction and pretty severe alcohol abuse too but it wasn't until i was able to connect to that higher way of looking and that's actually another thing that i do i call it my myrony mentoring where 
I show people what I did, but I'm like, here, let me give you a blueprint, a very simple way, you know, and it's through books and it's through experience. And when people say, what are your credentials? I say, life. When you get to the point where you do want, you know, if you get to the point where you're about to take your life, it doesn't matter how you get there. I also believe in in the other side. It doesn't matter how you get to God as long as you get to God, you know, whatever that is, just, just know that, or, you know, just, just open up the door of something greater than just ourselves, you know, and, but I love, um, I wanted to get into actually how you're known as the midnight rabbi, because, I mean, yeah, that connects into the recovery aspect, because it's a cool name, because I was uh, with uh, at-risk teenagers on the streets late at night, and, uh, it really was a hard four or five years of not sleeping in my bed, and my wife can testify, bringing up little kids without me there most nights and I literally was just helping, excuse to use that word again, but I was really trying to just connect with the teenager culture at that time and understand them and connect with them and give them that time where they were more relaxed and less on guard or, you know, a lot of them were on American hours because they were American at-risk teenagers in, in, in Jerusalem at the time and they were on, you know, up all night, sleeping all day like I wanted to be there, and I now have my own teenage kids. You know, like that's why it's, that's my excuse. I say to people, I've got my own. I'm not at risk, but borderline. You know, they're they're having their struggles, and I need to be there for them right now more than you know what's out right. on the streets. So, but it definitely gave me insight, and uh, you know, working in a rehab as well was an amazing opportunity. And I just I feel that there's so much we can do for our, for the new generation is to give them just tools of of awareness like my, the fact that my son my oldest son yeah. even though he's going through teenage struggles but he always comes out with an awareness that this is from a higher power and the only way he's going to overcome his struggles his you know whatever i don't want to get into the not it's not for me to publicize but his struggles the only way is through the higher power and he's constantly aware of that and teaching it with such to other people who don't even have any belief, you know, even if it's a police officer who's trying to, yeah. trying to, you know, arrest them or whatever, he'll try and teach them then, you know, like whatever it is, whatever situation scenario that comes up, he's constantly saying, but I see this as a, as irony, I see this as a divine experience, you know, and I'm going through my struggles and I accept where I'm at and, and it's amazing to have children that have that awareness. I have a daughter that's married and she has that awareness that all that she's going through is, you know, with that divine awareness. And for me, the fact they have a relationship, even if they're not the most religious looking people like in the world, you know, in terms of the Jewish, you know, standards, because they're very high standards, if you would know how they, you know, like every culture has its standards, you know, and its rule book, you know, like the royalty right. has their standards. So in the Jewish world, there's that as well. And even though it's BS, but you know, it has its use as well uh, for positive stuff as well, making boundaries. Like there's some good aspects to it as well. But my kids don't exactly like, you know, at the top of that in terms of the external aspect, but the internal, the relationship that they have. And that for me is like, that. Yeah is proving my point. Same with a lot of my students and people I connect with, my friendships, it's about real relationships. Just like a relationship with a higher power, it's real relationships. And that is the key to really healing a lot of this. And that's why I have another podcast called Relationship Flow. Because it's all just about, right now I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about intimacy right now. And how all the different aspects of intimacy, how it has to be very focused, experience that soul connection and, it's something which is, you know, it's hard to explain in a podcast format, but I'm working on it week by week, 10 minutes a week. And I'd do more if I had more, you know, infrastructure, but I'm happy right now to just do baby steps, you know? Yeah, well, you are really here to inspire and transform the world. So I feel Try. so honored and truly blessed to have had this conversation with you. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? So, um, unityinspiresprojects at gmail.com is always welcome. Anyone can reach out like you did so much. And also my LinkedIn account uh, was how we met through, um, you know, my profile is Ellie Goldsmith. And also Twitter is Goldsmith uh, Ellie. Um, And my Instagram, unityinspiresprojects. 
um, I have a bunch of other accounts and with different projects I've been involved with, but that's the main one that I'd like to share here. And on, I'm also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, also Unity, Ellie Unity Goldsmith, and a bunch of other channels that are connected in with larger and larger subscription there. And, um, you know, there's TikTok and all the different brilliant apps. You know, I've even started turning up on, um, what's that new one, the Clubhouse and Stereo. And, you know, there's so much. It's getting... It's getting a bit overwhelming, <laughs> but you know, I think that the podcast format is amazing. You know, I've just managed to transfer my podcast account to WordPress. I don't know if you know that you can do that, but it's it automatically transferred all my podcasts to WordPress so that it turns into a blog format. So all your notes, everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's, it, I'm working with an app called Anchor app. I was recommended to it by Gary V, one of Gary V's posts on LinkedIn. I, took note and he always seems to be ahead of the game so I went on to Anchor app a bunch of years ago and now what they've just done the last few few weeks is you can transfer your whole podcast repertoire onto a blog format of WordPress and then you can obviously you know upgrade it and do better and better fit tools of it but it does it automatically it's amazing so all my podcasts now three of them are now as blogs as well so oh wow I gotta I gotta do the same thing then because you know Yeah. Well, Ali, thank you so much. I definitely would love to have you back in the future for sure. And uh, to everyone, that's my See you next time. Thank you so much. All the best.